lots and lots of spoilers. Welcome, pilgrims, to Max Mike Movies. <laughs> this week we got us another entry in whitewashing. That sin that Hollywood still has yet to atone for, where white actors are cast as characters of color. You're not doing the this voice. This one, I, I, it hurts. <laughs> I can't clench for that long. This, <laughs> it's amazing this, John Wayne made it through the 50s. <laughs> yep, yep. I'm sorry, This one, well, it's pretty embarrassing for the movie industry on several levels. Mm. We're, this week we're talking about 1956's the Conqueror, a story very loosely based on the rise of Genghis Khan, the legendary Mongol warlord, in this case played by legendarily white actor John, you're beautiful in your wrath, Wayne, <laughs> grandfather of Bruce. No! Uh, okay, no. He should have been, though. Do not in any way connect Batman with John Wayne. I'm... Batman Pilgrim. <laughs> yeah, it just wouldn't work. By the time he got through any of his quips, the Joker would have left town. Where did the penguin go? <laughs> uh, uh, the movie features other such notable Asian actors as Lee Van Cleef, Agnes Moorhead, and Susan Hayward. Well, you left out Pedro. Oh, oh, yes. And Pedro, whose last name I can barely pronounce, but yeah. we'll get to him. This is also the movie that most likely boasts the highest body count, given how many members of the cast and crew died as a direct result of this movie's. But we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> For now, I am your most unworthy host, the third cousin of heaven, twice removed, on my father's side, <laughs> Max Levine, and over there, reading the entrails of a hamster to learn the will of the spirits, my trusty shaman, shaman, Yada da 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 shaman, shaman, Mike Luce. Please don't squeeze the shaman. <laughs> That's a deep. That would be if that'd be if Mr. Whipple was like really Bostonian. Don't squeeze the shaman. <laughs> I thought it was shaman anyway. Whatever. whatever. <laughs> no, no, uh, that was the uh, guy who did the music for that other movie. Well, um, there's certainly enough shame, at least in this film. Oh, but... there's plenty of shame, and, yeah. but we'll get to that. But first. Ooh. We must talk about last week's poll question. Ooh, poll question. What is your what is your favorite kind of poll? Fishing? Flag? <laughs> Fired. <laughs> Minus one thousand bucks. Our poll question was what movie had a major twist that you totally saw coming, and vice versa, which movies have had twists that totally caught you flat footed? Uh, first one we had uh, was, hmm, I'd say the World War II movie, The Longest Day. Who knew the Allies would actually invade Normandy? Caught me totally out of the blue. Oh, yeah, who was that? And that was from, oh, yes, that was um me. <laughs> <laughs> you responded to our poll question? I thought it was important. I had, some, I had a, something to say, don't silence me. Max is easily fooled. <laughs> uh, from, from our legal correspondent, Dave. Dave. Out. The trouble with twists is they only work once, unless they aren't really the point. That's kind of true. There are mm. a lot of movies, it's very hard to watch a second time once you know what the twist is. Mm. Uh, so The Wizard of Oz works every time, even though we know about the wizard. It's funny, I never thought of that as a twist. Mm. The only twist I ever thought of as The Wizard of Oz is what, you know, unfortunately Dennis Miller points out. <laughs> how at the end when Glinda tells her, oh, you've had the power to go home all along. I always want to see Dorothy just slap the crap out of her at this point, going, you had a p the power to tell me that three hours ago? Did I need this drug trip? Anyway, yeah. because uh, his deception isn't the point. That's true. Yep. That said, I had a vague sense that it blew me away the first time I saw it. Yeah, that Dave's pretty smart. If, uh, if only we could get him to listen to the show. Oh, well. <laughs> uh, the crying game had a big twist, and I enjoyed it and have no desire to see it a second time. Did Star Wars have a big twist? Well, the second one did. Yeah. Empire. Or Harry Potter, I suppose, didn't save either movie series. I keep forgetting Dave is not a Star Wars fan. No. But I love the Harry Potter books and didn't see the twist coming. Twist. Uh, oh, right, right, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Forgot there was one. That's right. That. Yep, that uh, actually it turns out Harry is Dumbledore's father. 
<laughs> wow. Well, there was this, yeah. you know, accident with a contraceptive and a time machine. They'll, I'll tell you about it later. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just our, some of our other listeners, Val, the uh, our, our other loose connection, and Susan both agreed with uh, Dave on the crying game. Mm. Uh, Val also writes, I actually figured who did it pretty quickly in Knives Out, but I didn't care. I love that movie. Because I'm a mystery writer, I can usually figure out the plot twists. Did not see the twist coming in The Usual Suspects. That one blew me away at the time. Good examples. Yeah, yeah. And I'll agree with her on Knives Out. I, I, I've only seen it once. I think mm-hmm. I, I did, it wasn't early on, but I think I did figure out who did it. And like my mother, this is a skill that my mother uh, developed and was really good at. I have since forgotten who did it <laughs> so that I could go <laughs> and enjoy the mystery again. Um, I, that think being ca- I think the movie is a kick. I like the movie. Yeah, I think the movie is fun enough. You don't need to know that the twist, not knowing the twist wouldn't ruin it. Yeah. Uh, Keith Wright writes. <laughs> See what I did oh, there? I got yes. the tw- I got the twist at the end of the Prestige ruined for me because I made the mistake of reading a review. Oh god, that's always awful when you read a review that gives away the plot twist. I still yeah, like the should, movie, especially though. on like podcasts. They should never do that. They should, should never uh, give away the end. Uh, <clears throat> oh. <laughs> uh, we don't do it on current films. I still I still like that movie though. M Night Shyamalama Ding Dong Sixth Sense surprised me. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people figured it out ahead of time. I try not to figure out endings of movies while I'm watching because it ruins it for me. Interesting. I've, I'm happy to wait till the end. Hmm. That's an interesting cool. point. Lots of bumpy bucks for everyone. Um, and you have a chance to redeem yourself, Max. Has there ever been a twist that you were like, oh, please, or that you were like, oh, wow. Uh, I te- I'm a sucker. I tend to get caught flat-footed by most twists. Empire, when the, the, uh, the, the big announcement Darth Vader makes... Uh-huh. Like anyone doesn't know that at this point. <laughs> that is I really just, Leia? I remember sitting there in the theater just going, <laughs> Just to- The only one that I did catch, or the, the major one I realized that I caught before, uh, was the crying game. And that wasn't because of any particular perception or brilliance on my part. It's just I knew there was a twist. People were talking about that. And when I know that, I start watching for it. And there were a couple of moments early on when I went, oh, I bet that's it. And I was right. Hmm. That dill, she's something about that dill. Yeah. I wonder mm. what it... Ah, Stargate! Oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, same actor, yeah, Jay, Davidson. Jay Davidson. He just sort of disappeared after that. Yeah. I. You know, here's the thing. I remember liking Crying Game 2. And the same thing as... as uh, I forget who said it. Maybe it was Dave. But it's like, I don't really have a... I haven't felt a need to go, but maybe I should go back and watch it. it. In a way, it's a little bit more topical today than it was when it came out. The characters are very interesting. And, you know, it's an early Forrest Whitaker, and he's cool in it. And there's a very, oh, what was his name? Not Tony Slattery from uh, Whose Line Is It Anyway, but... Uh, no, 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 no. He was in uh, Usual Suspects, too. And it's he's Irish. Oh, my God. I can't think of his name either. He was the, uh, he was the lead in Usual Suspects. And I did the letter G... Um, Nope, not nope. coming to me. Yeah. <laughs> but if, if you, you know, if you, write in yeah, and tell please. us. Uh, extra bumpy suspects. bucks. Yeah, extra bumpy bucks. Yeah. Usual Suspects but, is a huge favorite of mine. Yeah. Um, when we came out of that film, we stood in the parking lot and talked about it long enough for the next show to go through <laughs> and let out. Um, I really, uh, and I'm, we, I'm with Keith. I, if the film is well enough made, I'd rather it just took me where it's going and I'm not going to think about it. If it's badly made, I, and I wish I could remember which film it was because I literally remember being in a film going, wait, was that supposed to be a twist? I knew that in the credits. Like I, I wish I could remember what it was. But I'm usually like you. I like to fall for it. I want to be fooled. Yeah. I don't need to sit there and go, I'm smarter than this film. I can tell that it's really the blonde guy. Whatever. But, well, some people just perceive things that way. I mean, like Val says, she's a mystery writer. They look for yeah. that. They can't help it. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't want to look for it. I, I like being surprised. Yeah. Yeah. So, but uh, the great responses, folks. Thank you very much. Bumpy uh, Hut catalogs for everyone. Yep. Yep. Bumpy bucks <laughs> all around. As soon as and, they exist. Uh, for next, for this week, our question is, when you watch a movie in a language you don't know, you see I'm being sensitive and not just saying non-English, mm. do you prefer to use subtitles or to watch the English language track? Basically, dubs versus subs. Which do you prefer and why? The proper term is fern. <laughs> That's right. Fern the films. Fern movies. 
which are yeah. often made by ferners. Mm. Uh, so yeah, let us know the usual ways. Max will go over that at the end of the show. But yes, we, will. Mm. we need to get back to... I can't believe I'm saying this. Oh, it hurts. <laughs> we need to get back to... The, the, the Conqueror. conqueror. Yes. At first, trivia. The show. Is there any? Yes, there's a bit. Not as much I, as you would think, but there's some. <laughs> the entire film. Budget for this? Six million dollars. This is 1956 money, people. Six million dollars. Who would have paid for such a... Uh, Yeah, we'll get to that. (laughs) Yep. Uh, The box office take was nine million. Technically, it made money. However, it is still considered a massive failure. In fact, it is so massive that the failure of this movie specifically was considered the ultimate reason for the demise of RKO Radio Pictures. Aw. By the way, what is a radio picture? I was going to say, yeah. (laughs) Uh, This film is sometimes called an RKO Radioactive Picture. (laughs) But why? Yeah, this movie was produced by Howard Hughes. Yes, that Howard Hughes. Mm. Eccentric billionaire if you're a billionaire you're eccentric he was you know bat crap crazy um and toenail collector yeah. howard hughes yes uh it, this film was they wanted a, a you know a good desert sort of location because this is supposed to take place in the gobi so they <laughs> yeah so they picked a place in utah unfortunately this was a location where 11, count them, 11 nuclear tests had been carried out in the previous year. Not surprisingly, the entire set was contaminated by nuclear fallout. To be fair to Howard Hughes and the entire population of the nearby town, the Atomic Energy Committee had assured everyone it's completely safe. <laughs> And, if, and, of course, it was the government, so you could trust them. You don't see any fallout, do you? <laughs> uh, there are photographs of John Wayne holding a Geiger counter on the set that apparently made so much noise, he just thought it was broken. <laughs> yeah. That's not the only thing broken on this film. but yeah. Uh, yeah. After the location shooting, Howard, this made it even better. Howard Hughes had 12 tons of sand, radioactive sand, (laughs) shipped from that place in Utah to Hollywood to do matching interior shots. Mm. Over the next 30 years, 91 members of the 220 cast and crew members developed some form of cancer. 46 died from it, including John Mm. Wayne, Susan Hayward, Pedro Armendiaz, I mean, sorry, Darius, he didn't so much die from the cancer, but he found that it was terminal. He shot himself. Mm. Agnes Moorhead, John Hoyt, and the director, Dick Powell. Lee Van Cleef also had throat cancer from this, but he died of a heart attack. John Wayne argued it was possible that it was the movie, but it was also possible that he got uh, cancer from his three-pack-a-day smoking habit. I read it was six. (laughs) Might have been six. I I read three. This count, by the way, doesn't include the several hundred local Native Americans who played extras or the relatives of the cast and crew who visited the set, including John Wayne's son, Michael Wayne, who also developed cancer. Yeah. Uh, By the way, Max, those were obviously really Chinese people. Oh, yeah. So Oh, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um. A, a, an article, a People magazine article quoted the reaction of a scientist from the Pentagon's Defense Nuclear Agency to the news who said, please, God, don't let us have killed John Wayne. Oops. Yeah. Oops, indeed. Oh, by the way, I'm well, sorry. It was six, Howard Hughes shipped 60 tons of oh, soil to well, Hollywood. That makes a huge difference. <laughs> he, now, he was so horrified by the results... He paid $12 million to buy every copy, every single copy of this movie because he felt so guilty about all of them getting cancer. And he kept a death grip on this film, not even allowing it to be shown on television for years. 
Universal bought the rights to the film in 1979. And how were they able to do that? Because RKO Pictures went out of business and Howard Hughes died. Yep, that's it. (laughs) That is the only way. Um, Universal bought it in 1979. Supposedly Paramount had reissue rights in 1974. They just didn't do anything with it. Hughes Hughes supposedly called the choice of the film shooting's location the worst mistake of his life. He didn't get cancer from it. (laughs) No, no, he didn't. Uh, The casting of John Wayne as Genghis Khan is generally considered one of the worst casting decisions of all time. And who was responsible for that, Max? Uh, that was, I believe that was Mr. Hughes himself. Nope, it was John Wayne. He oh, insisted he on it. it. He saw the screenplay. I was like, I gotta play this part. Yeah, except later he regretted playing that character so much that he visibly shuddered whenever anyone mentioned the film's name. Good. He, wa- he was quoted as saying the moral of the film was not to make an ass of yourself trying to play parts you're not suited for. <laughs> Now, to give the Duke credit, he took the role very seriously. He went on a crash diet, so he'd look all thin and wiry, and he took... He took really? Dex, yeah, and he took dexedrine pills four times a day. What did he look like before this part? He was a big guy. But John Wayne was a fairly sturdy-looking man. He was still pretty sturdy-looking yeah. in this one. He's he got was, that nice uh, corset going on so that we don't... Yeah. As, as I said before, many of the Mongol extras were played by Navajo Indians with no makeup. We were just supposed to assume that's what Mongols looked like. And to be fair, in 1956, how many Americans knew what a Mongol was? Um, what Max means to say is that they were all really from China. <laughs> <laughs> this was Howard Hughes's final motion picture project, ending his 30-year involvement with the film industry. He did produce a film in 1949 called Jet Pilot, which was not released until 1957. And I'm sure we all remember Jet Pilot. Jet Pilot. Jet Pilot. And uh, Agnes Moorhead is cast as as <laughs> John Wayne's mother. <laughs> In real life, by the way, Agnes Moorhead was seven years older than John Wayne. And they wow! Use, they, if you look, they use some really bad aging makeup on her. You can see these streaks of gray makeup that are supposed to look like wrinkles. And yet somehow it's not quite as, um, shall we say, obtrusive as she would look later on Bewitched. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm your mom. That is one, yeah. Yeah, now, so that's pretty much it. (laughs) Hey, Wayne, down here, I'm your mom. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and here's your your blood brother, Pedro. Uh, (laughs) Now, did you recognize Pedro? Because I, I got it from his I voice, did. and I'm like, I, I know that voice. It's like, oh, from Russia with Love. Okay. Yep, he was out. He was uh, Karim Bey. Yeah, which yep. unfortunately was his last movie. Oh, yeah, he was in a lot of pain in that movie. He uh, uh, was apparently he was a real effort to get through it, but he wanted to do the part because it would then cement the the state for his family. Ah, and, okay. like right after that film, he he took his own life, which is sad because of the can. He's like, look, shit, it's not going to get any better, so. I'll just do this now. Yep. Um, I the only thing I know about for extra trivia is that what what you and I both know is that this film won the Golden Turkey Award yeah. for worst portrayal by a white actor as a part not that wasn't white. Um, and I'd never seen this film, and now I understand why. Growing up, it wasn't on Channel Fifty Six every weekend because uh, there wasn't any until this, Hughes died. It is very hard. To watch the to find this movie, it's not on any streaming service. I had to buy an old copy of the DVD, but it yeah. did get released on DVD. Yeah, so if you want to hunt it out, and we're here to tell you, don't. Yeah, um, yeah, don't don't waste your time or your money. Although I would say, if you want a night with your friends where there's some drinking going on, and you hmm. want to make fun of a movie, oh, this movie I, is ripe. I really wish Max had been, I'd been the same place as Max watching this because I was making, well, we'll get to that. We should let you do the plot because people want to know about the story. The not entirely made up, the the entirely, no, it's entirely made up story. I think it's based on a Chinese food menu. I think that's what it's based (laughs) on. So the plot. Mm. In the 13th century, 
A great buckaroo rides under western skies, west of the Pecos, ready to unite the greatest posse ever done. Okay, never mind. (laughs) And yet... This movie follows a very fictionalized version of the rise of Temujin, later known as Genghis Khan, the first great Khan of the Mongols. Played by famous Mongolian John Wayne, we see (laughs) Temujin battle his enemies, unite his people, and pursue the love of the fierce Tartar woman Bortai, played by Susan Hayward, because sure, why not? (laughs) Hosting a massive cast with approximately one Asian person in it, that's James Liu, who plays the captain of Wang Khan's guard. And he also, if, if you want to know who James Liu is, uh, have you ever watched a TV show from the 60s or 70s? He's the Asian guy. This movie has the distinction of casting the Duke as a Mongolian, killing almost half its cast and crew, and destroying ra- RKO radio pictures. So it's got that going for it. <laughs> yeah. The lowdown. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Now, I would like to say at the outset... Well, I was, you know, horrified, of course, by all of the casting. And I was thinking, oh, my God, Susan Hayward, we're supposed to believe she's a Tartar or Tatar. (laughs) I looked this up. Do you know who the Tartars are? I looked it up, too. And they range from Romania and the Ukraine all the way through Mongolia. Although the implication is they weren't going that far afield. (laughs) Yeah, but it is they technically had, you know, Russian blood. They could have had white skin and sort of reddish hair. It's possible. It's not likely, but it's possible. Shall we talk about the blue-eyed Mongol chieftain Uh, named Genghis Khan? Now, again, the blue eyes, maybe not. Some Mongols were known to have gray eyes and even had red hair. I don't think there were any with blue eyes. (laughs) Yeah, we got blue-eyed John Wayne, who is, I will say, at least he doesn't try to do an accent. His delivery is so odd. I, it's like, so apparently Mongolians are like an early form of Vulcans. They don't use contractions. They speak very stilted. Yeah. Uh, come, come, my mother, and tend to my wound. <laughs> I mean, it really feels like you're watching some high school pageant play somewhere and somehow the football captain got the lead part. It really just feels. So John Wayne is, is a, is an actor. Let's face it. When you pay your five bucks, you get John Wayne. You don't get it. There's, there is no range there at all. You go to see John Wayne and that's what you get. Yeah. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. If you like Westerns, he's your guy. He's probably also decent. Or in some war of his movies. War he's good in yeah. war movies. I, I've never been a big John Wayne fan, but I know that he's done some very iconic films and stuff. But if you are a stand-up comedian or an impressionist, he was one of the first people you would do because nearly anybody can yep. do a passable John Wayne. What I didn't realize was that in this film, he's actually a parody of himself yeah. because he actually sounds like somebody doing John Wayne. Um, and he's wearing, like, sometimes there's makeup and sometimes there's not. Sometimes there's hair dye and sometimes there's not. Yeah. There's some really bad tape on the eyes and a mustache. Oh, Lord, the mustaches. <laughs> It I is. didn't realize that out on the steppes in, in, in the Gobi Desert that they the Mongols were so careful about their facial hair. Yeah. Because um. every part is razor sharp. Every must, each The mustaches are perfectly symmetrical. And they're those ones where, you know, they curve down at the edge of the mouth and they're shaved in the middle under the nose. Yeah. Sort of the anti-Hitler, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it just... It's, it's, <laughs> The, well, the film opens and it says Cinemascope, and it's like, well, that takes me back. Right, Cinemascope hasn't been a thing. That just meant widescreen back then. I mean, IMAX is even bigger than Cinemascope was, but that's the idea. And you see Howard Hughes' name, and it's like, oh, yeah, that's going to make this interesting. <laughs> um, and then as soon as they open it up, and it's like, ah, Genghis Khan of the Old West. Because, <laughs> like, you're looking at, I mean, yeah, okay. They didn't use this location in all the Westerns, but it's still Southern Utah, which is near Monument Valley, which is where they shot all the Westerns. Yeah. So there's literally not one moment where you're not going, this is a Western. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> when you're supposed to be as east as you can go. Not to mention the fact, I mean, okay, I was not expecting any kind of real historical accuracy with this. <laughs> 
But the horses they're riding, the Mongols wore, rode these war ponies, these kind of short, stubby animals, not like Mustangs and Appaloosas and big American Western horses. Yeah. Also, yeah. Um, uh, I, I, I can't. I just can't. The, the stuff okay. they do to the history, this is just, it, it, they use the same names. And how did you like Temujin's little brother, Kassar? Played by famous Mongolian actor <laughs> William Conrad. <laughs> yes, the narrator for Rocky and Bullwinkle. You know, well, Jake, the fat man from Jake and the Fat Man, and he's well, but he was also Nero Wolf and yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, lots of other roles. He always uh, usually played somebody that was supposed to be sort of stiff upper lip, upper crust, erudite. You know, but he started out playing a lot of heavies, playing a lot of bad guys, <laughs> a lot of thugs. Well, there's a reason he plays heavies. Um, <laughs> in this film, it's like, look, I can bend steel like ox okay that's great <laughs> yeah Thankfully, the only thing he really has to do is literally bend steel like ox and then get stuck in a window <laughs> yeah that's most that's in, that's his entire character arc yep and he's also got the really horrible mustache and somehow i think his looks the worst because it droops the mu- most yeah. um and i don't know if it's the heat or the glue or whatever um but uh, there's they're not even trying. There There's no effort really to, and I don't know if that's good or bad in a way. Cause like you said, if, if the Duke had started trying to sound Chinese, I, I don't think I could have made it through the film. Yeah, that would have, there's honestly, there's only one person that I can think of in the movie who's trying to do an, a, a Chinese accent. And that's John Hoyt as the shaman. And he is really, I swear, I kept waiting for him to go, ah, Sadena Snellan Smith, you come to meet Fu Manchu. Yeah. He was, he was doing the yellow peril thing. The, yes, yeah. uh, so, yes, wise Khan. Oh. And they had his, his eyelids were very heavily made oh, up. So very that, heavily. Yeah, he very much felt like, maybe this is where Christopher Lee got his idea of how to do Fu Manchu. Maybe. Um, and some of them, like, poor Lee Van Cleef. Did you spot him? No. Yeah, he's Chape. He's the captain of uh, uh, of, of, of sorry of Temujin's guards. Oh. He has like one or two lines, and is promptly killed pretty early on. I mean, and they I don't know they didn't now, but even him, you can see they they added to it. A little scotch tape on the side. Yeah, yeah, or some really heavy mascara. Well, that's right. This wouldn't hurt and, his chances because literally a year or two later, he would be in. Um, uh, it conquered the world, so you know. That would be fine. <laughs> sure, that's what yeah. we remember him for—not the good, the bad, and the ugly—but it conquered the world. Yeah. Well, how about that uh, TV series, the Ninja One? Uh, oh, good the ma- the master. Yeah, the master. Yeah, so that's. Uh... It, it's yeah, not the master. Um, it's the master. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, my first question, though, besides you know, uh, are we really supposed to believe this is China? Um, was hey, who's the nice blonde Chinese lady? Because <laughs> she is being carted through the desert on an ox bite with no name uh, in this big <laughs> sedan carpet thing, yeah. like out in the middle of nowhere, basically advertising to anybody who wants to. Hey, you want to conquer us? Because look what we got. Like whatever. And sure enough, John Wayne rides up and says, who let you into my lands? I literally like that. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, he gets an, an eye full of... of um, Susan, Susan Hayward, Hayward. yep. <laughs> I'm sorry, whatever me. her child... Uh, Bortai. Bortai, which, whatever. Which was the name, by the way, of Genghis Khan's first wife. He had and six. And thus ends all the accuracy of this film. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, no, she they... was a Tartar. I, I do love how they suggest that uh, between the two of them, they sired many offspring, and it's like, oh, it wasn't just her. <laughs> like, oh, no. do, there's I forget what the percentage is, but there's actually a measurable percentage chance that any given person is related yeah. to Genghis Khan because yep. um, he did or, a or one of his men. It. Yeah, there was there was a whole lot of that. Uh, yeah, and, so the nice chi- blonde Chinese lady shows up, and well, she's um, not blonde; she's like you know auburn haired or some such. It's it's pretty light colored. Um, yeah, yeah, and you know he really there is this leader of the this Mongol horde, and he's a chieftain and he's a tough guy, but man, he just really knows how to make the women fall. In. He rips oh, her dress oh. off, literally yeah, rips just her tears dress it off. off. Her first, practically the first thing he does. Yeah, I mean. 
dance for Temujin. Yeah. Okay. He actually, he says this, and of course, that line that I used in the opening, that you're beautiful in your <laughs> wrath. <laughs> and oh, I died when I heard it. <laughs> oh, because that is just that old cliche of, gosh, you're beautiful when you're angry. Yeah. Like, I'm going to totally ignore your actual emotional state and just just patronize you. Yeah, the relationship between them is really uncomfortable. Oh, very. Oh, very. God, because it's well, all like, hi, yeah, you kidnapped me, you're blood enemies with my father, I hate you, I hate you. Oh, great, now you're forcing, forcing me to kiss you. Oh, guess what, I'm in love with you. Yeah, so the film starts racist, but then, as a bonus, it gives us misogyny and rape. It's yeah. great. It's all three. Misogynist, yep. racist, and rapey all in one. Yep, yep. All for one low, low price. Hey. And I swear watching this, because I don't watch Westerns anymore, and I know there are, you know, quote-unquote classic films, Sons of Katie Elder, um, True Grit, blah, blah, blah. Um, but honestly, especially in this film, John Wayne is the patron saint of toxic masculinity. He's everything bad about what, it was to be a because literally he rips her dress off yep. in a scene that I bet you anything there was a huge discussion with the ratings board like we're leaving this in we're not leaving this in because Hughes had that problem before with a film called The Outlaw mm. and that film was like considered incredibly racy at its time and it's like you see some cleavage so yeah. things have changed yeah. but. You know, he rips her dress off. He doesn't quite pull it to his face and take a deep sniff, but he kind of, that's implied. Well, he throws it at, uh, what's his name? Uh, the guy he's basically just stolen her from. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, the the other chieftain leader. Uh, he's, I'll take this as a trophy. Yeah, Kumlek, I think. Yeah, and then he goes off and makes plans to do something and whatever, but... Uh, so... Once we get, we get past the, the initial thing where it's not China, <laughs> jolly old boy, chaps, is it not right? China? Yeah. <laughs> and then we get well, you see the makeup, and it's like, in a way, it's not insulting because there's no way if you weren't told that you would take this for somebody portraying an Asian person, yeah. you'd just be like, oh, what planet is this? You know, it's <laughs> <laughs> but it is. So we we get the racism right off. And I, it is a bonus that he doesn't try to do an accent and that nobody except for the shaman tries to do an accent, but it's almost like pretending you're in France and literally nobody's eating cheese. Nobody's has the accent. Nobody's drinking wine. It's just some people saying they're from France. And there was just something about, okay, oh, look, here is Wang Khan. And of course, when I hear that, all I think is everybody have fun Wang, tonight. Everybody, everybody Wang, Wang Khan tonight. tonight. I know that's awful. I apologize. <laughs> I can't help it. But that he's played by Thomas Gomez, He's that, who is a fame, actually, a, it was in a ton of Westerns. He tends to play the Mexican bandito, so he's no stranger to playing racist roles. But you would not know this guy was supposed to be Asian in any form. No. No. He doesn't, there's nothing about him, even... The the there is a, a rather drawn out sequence where he is, you know, entertaining Temujin in his palace, and they are here. I have dancers for you. <laughs> and wow, I don't know what country these dancers are supposed to represent. Uh, I I think it's Busby Berkelia. I'm not sure. <laughs> I swear, when the first dancer comes out and I texted this to Max, I said, oh, we're having a tribute to Fruit Stripe Gum, because yep. <laughs> that's the best way to describe her costume. Yep, yep. Uh, and I'm sure for the time, it was like that costume was considered exceedingly racy, because it's well, literally a red stripe wrapped around her like a candy cane. Yes, but in a couple of close-ups, I go, ah, apparently in 13th century Gobi Desert, they've invented the body stocking. <laughs> With zipper. Yeah. Yeah, and then there's a, a quick tribute to garlic. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's what it looks like. Uh, smell the garlic, smell the garlic. It <laughs> smells good, it smells good. And they just have these strands of what looks like flour and garlic. And I, I don't, yeah. Whenever then, there's a dance, unless it's a dance movie, like unless it's uh, 42nd Street, unless it's like 42nd Street where dance is part of what you're going to uh, see, whenever you throw a dance number in a film, it's just going to be bad. And yeah. this one does not disappoint. Mm. Um, and then in a, in a, speaking of twists in a big twist that nobody saw coming, um, then, uh, Bortai, whatever her name yeah, is, Bortai. Borax gets up <laughs> and she decides, well, now I'm going to do the dance of the long red scarf. I 
Yes. Yes, and I'm and going to use these swords that these people used in a sword dance, and then I will huck one at Temujin and miss him by a country mile. And the best part is that nobody, including the audiences, flinches because nobody thought she had any chance of hitting anything. That's the other thing, is the whole thing is she's supposed to be so impressive dancing, and no offense to Susan Hayward. Susan Hayward's a fine actor, but uh, this ain't Salome we're watching here. This is... No. And he's like, pretty. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so the whole culture of this film, uh, the whole toxic male culture of this film, he rips her dress off, forces himself on her, it's implied that they he probably forced himself on her for more than a kiss. We don't see it because it's 1956. And she, quite honestly and quite reasonably, hates him until the point where she doesn't. Except and, even when he's... For, you know, this is the, the embarrassing part, is when he's like forcing the kiss on her at first, she's like, no, struggle, struggle. And then her arms wrap around him and suddenly she's into it. Right. Because that's like, what all chicks want. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Ah! it's so gross it's so nasty and, and if john wayne felt ashamed he didn't feel ashamed enough that's all i'm saying well it, um he, he did embody she, a lot of that I, I still later remember. she ends up helping him she, yeah. she betrays her own people for uh uh i'm gonna go we haven't used these two folks in a long time i'm gonna go with stuff and reasons yeah yeah i'm gonna betray not just her people but her father who yeah. is the the chief of the tartars or tatars yeah. And yeah. yeah, and because oh, suddenly, yeah, I love you now. Because uh, let's see, it's an hour and ten minutes into the film, I, I'm in love with you now. I I honestly think that line was in the film. Oh, I love you now. <laughs> yeah, and um, I, the the one kind of in, almost interesting relationship is between Temujin and his blood brother Jamuga. And again, Jamuga, who is played by Pedro. <laughs> And could not look less, he looks even less Mongolian than the Duke does. Yeah. And poor Jamuga, who is terribly loyal, but he, you know, John, John Wayne, or John Wayne, yeah, Temujin <laughs> begins suspecting him of, uh, you know, being a traitor for dumb, <laughs> excuse well, me. Well, Borak sets him up more yeah. than once. Yeah. Um, and that's that's the only like potentially interesting part of the plot is the relationship of his proclaimed blood brother, uh, Jamoka. 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 <laughs> they don't say it the same way twice. so it's no. all right. It, well, it's also that's not that wasn't his name. There was look Temujin. The real Temujin had a blood brother named Jamuka. Only there wasn't this whole oh yes I love you and I'm just. You were suspecting me of nothing. No, Jamuka tried to kill him. They, they, the army <laughs> fragmented, and actually Jamuka beat him. He defeated uh, Temujin at a battle, and Temujin disappears for a while mm. until everything the uh, Mongol the Mongol uh, horde starts to fall apart, and then he comes back, takes over. Mm. But uh, that's just one of the many many historical inaccuracies here. I think we might as well just try to count historical accuracies. It's yeah. a much shorter list. Well, there was a there was a guy named Temujin who became known as Genghis Khan. There you go. And I think we're done. Yeah. <laughs> and China was once again filled with white people. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's the thing. There are a couple of Asian people that show up later in the film. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but as soon as they showed up, it's like, oh, yeah, I, you don't fit here. You, you should look leave. weird. What are these? Wrong, why? Boy, what a strange-looking guy. What are you doing here? It's like oh. you're suddenly reminded what Asian people actually look like, and yeah. you're like, oh, oh, <laughs> oh. This is sort of like when you first see um, uh, Barbarino there on in um, Battlefield Earth. It's like when he first comes out in his space dreadlocks with his uh, twelve fingers, and you're like. Huh? <laughs> it's exactly the same look when these poor Asian folks were. I hope I, they had a good time somehow. I don't know why. It's like, oh, you're making fun of all oh, my culture. This is great. Um, but like, it's literally three people. There are three Asian people in this film and they show up on set and you're just staring at them like, what's that? Um, which is such a shame because, you know, they probably knew much more than anybody making this film did about their own culture, I'm sure. Um yeah. Yeah, it's painful. The other thing is, there are just some dumb aspects to this movie. Like, considering how warlike everyone is and how 
They're always in battle. They have okay. the crappiest security. Everybody does. It's <laughs> like, all right, we've taken out these two guards. Now they're completely helpless before us. They captured the entire city. It was yeah, because the guy opened one door. <laughs> huh? Yeah, it's Message like, oh. for you, sir. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. They all run in. Where are all the soldiers? Where are the guards? Did they know. just run out of budget for extras at this point? Well, no, because there's that big battle at the end they all show oh, up. Yeah, for, I guess but. they were saving them for that. But, like, and, all the action is ambushing and getting captured. Yeah. And it's amazing how many guys you can just have out ready to ambush somebody. Oh, thank God they came down this road because that's where all our ambush people are. Yeah, and even <laughs> the fight choreography, which often is decent in a John Wayne movie, some of it is so... He throws a spear at a guy, you can see the <laughs> wire. And, in fact, you can see the spear change direction. <laughs> Because it's about to hit the guy's horse and then jerks to the right to hit the guy. You saw that too, huh? I did. Oh, Lord. It's like, wow, look at that. You can barely see that string. <laughs> I, I, going back to the culture, when you, you know, we've said that there's literally no, they didn't even try. The way they tried was somebody with a tin ear wrote dialogue that they thought would sound to American audiences like what a, a, an Asian person would sound like. And like you said, there's no contractions. Um, it's just this weird, I don't know, pseudo-Gothic, weird, I don't know. I can't even describe it. It's yeah. so bad. And half the time they're using all these names and stuff. I had no idea what they were talking about. And, so, and they are bringing, they, they play up so many of the stereotypes and not just stereotypes, but the yellow peril stuff. The oh look yeah look these these guys are all lusting after the one white woman, well excuse me the one woman who's supposed to be white but all the women in this movie pretty much are white. Well, there's only two women anyway, and one of them's his mom. Yeah, like, yeah. Like I can kind of understand their motivation. It's like well we can go after mom or ooh Susan Hayward. Uh, there were other is, women yeah. around. They just you couldn't. They're all bundled up or done in long shots. Yeah. And there's that, and there's the the, sort of the brutality, and uh, yes, we do, we think nothing of doing all this murder. Now, to be fair, we are talking about Genghis Khan here, who was not yeah. exactly known for being warm and fuzzy. I, I do I do want to go off on a little bit of a tangent here. Genghis Khan, it was there've been a, a few movies about him, not as many as I would have thought, maybe a dozen. He's a fascinating character. You'd think they people would be all over him. The thing is, not there's a lot that isn't known about him. Like, nobody knows, there's no record of what he really looked like. He would never allow his image to be painted. Hmm. Uh, it was some either superstition or he just didn't want it. Nobody even knows where he's buried, because according to Mongol tradition, when a leader dies, he's buried in an unmarked grave somewhere. Hmm. But, and the, the perception of Genghis Khan is very different in different parts of the world. In Mongolia, big surprise, he's a huge hero. China, it's kind of mixed. Uh, a lot of the, Europe, not like much. No, no, because he, he basically said, Hi, you, you have armies? Smack, smack, smack. Stay out of my way. Yes, yes, Mr. Khan. Sorry, Mr. Khan. And, you know, he conquered almost half the world. And he did it in a remarkably short period of time. The Mongol Empire you know, expanded in over less than a hundred years, and it covered almost all of Asia. And he he also solidified the Silk Road, which in effect united Europe, the Middle East, and China. That was a connection between all these three major parts. That was largely due to him. Of course, it, and some people say a lot of it is bad propaganda, or just, you know, from people who didn't like, but he had some really unpleasant methods of conquest. He would show up at a city and say, hi, here's what's going to happen. If you surrender, you know, you're all going to be, you, you'll, you'll all be Mong part of the Mongol horde, your men will all be killed, and you're all going to slavery. If you don't surrender, we will kill every living thing in this city. Everyone. Men, women, children. They'd kill the animals, the dogs, the cats. They'd burn it down and they'd sow the earth with salt so nothing would grow there says, either you surrender or we will obliterate you from history. Hmm. Yeah, not real nice. Yeah. Um, but, again... John Wayne was a good person to play. <laughs> maybe, 
Again, on the uh, he was also he's considered one of the greatest military leaders in the history of the human race, mm. and the Mongols were terrifying. It wasn't just because there were a lot of them; they had they had those terrible recurve bows. They were the first bows that could really be shot from horseback. They were unbelievable riders. They were some of the greatest cavalry ever. We get none of that. You know, the bows they're using are these you know cheesy ass leftovers from the Robin Hood set. They aren't recurves. The armor doesn't make sense. None of the costumes were uh, are remotely Mongolian. Yeah. I love the fact that he gets shot by an arrow once and says, oh my, this horrible wound, this horrible wound, it's gone. Yeah, yep, I'm okay now. <laughs> he tells yeah, but he tells his mother, fix my wound, and then the next scene it's just gone. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah I, you know, and part of me just wonders why they didn't just make another Western. Why did they need to do this? What about... What little they knew about the actual subject made them go, this would make a great movie, Pilgrim. I mean, what? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. they could have changed it to, you know, all right, uh, we're going to go up against Geronimo, and uh, I'm, you know, say a former Civil War general or some such. I don't know. Yeah. And of course, it would have been a horrible travesty against some native people somewhere. No matter what John Wayne was going to do, it was going to insult somebody, uh, probably. So there you go. Um, One of the things that I do like about this film is some of the uh, lines in this film are just amazingly memorable. One of them (laughs) is, they shall die the slow death. And my note was, yeah, they're made to watch this movie. (laughs) And then there's literally a woman... (laughs) A woman. There's literally a line where John Wayne says, "She is woman, much woman." <laughs> that is yeah. how they talk in this film. Yeah, and the dialogue know, is oh, just the, painful. The entrails of the pig have been read, and it says "blabbity flub." Uh, it is a lot of that in here. Um, it, that's why I think it's it's this film is is just ripe for riffing on, and deservedly so, and. It's sort of just sort of in a way it's it's less aggressively racist than some of the other films we've seen because it just it's you know it's not like um poor old Obi-Wan Kenobi there <laughs> and his basically deciding I am not going to talk to a vocal coach I know better. Yeah. Yeah, I can uh, I can convince people I'm Japanese. It's just John Wayne doing his John Wayne thing. Yeah. And, and at his worst, quite honestly. Yeah. But still what the, even if it's not aggressively trying to stampede over any respect you might give this culture it is helping to continue to promote the idea of the worst parts of any culture it's like oh we're just going to focus on the violent part and the rapey parts because that's worth you know underlining and pointing a a big arrow at um and you know the toxic masculinity thing um we're just going to take this culture we're literally going to choose one from column a two from column b and then we're just going to make it horrible yeah, um, and we're going to erase any Asian presence from this movie because we're going to just well, let's see. This guy's Mexican. That's close enough. This guy's Italian. That'll work. Sure. Yeah. Lee Van Cleef. Shut up. Just get over there. Um. Yeah. We Agnes Moorhead. Of- Good lord. <laughs> oh, Derwood. Um, that's why she looked so angry. She was. She thought he was Derwood. <laughs> uh, I had a, so you had a couple of questions from uh, earlier in this series that didn't really uh, uh, fit. A couple of the films in between, but I'm going to bring them back up. So yeah. uh, the first one, and I, I need you to, to to consider this this very carefully. Yeah, because uh, it is a serious question, and I would like to know, sure. Max, do you think they were sincere? Hmm. <laughs> you know, I do. I think they were. You know, as well, it depends what you mean by sincere. I don't think they were like we're going to sit here and really try to tell the story of Genghis Khan. I think they were like we're going to try to. This is basically a sword and sandal movie with a slightly different setting. Yeah. It no, was there was really... no. This was no like we're going to tell a towering story. It's like yeah, we want to put some butts in the seats. Yeah, and it has an opening crawl where they start insulting the Chinese people or the Mongolian people right from the start, which is oh, nice. yeah. so at least you know. Oh, it's racist. Okay, cool. Like, yep. <laughs> um, what do you think was the point of this movie? Were they really trying to elevate Genghis Khan? Did he? need elevating i think it might be as i said there are a number of movies about him this might be one of the first of the ones made in america and it may just have simply been huh nobody's done this uh why don't we do that and and apparent 
or it may have been a slight recognition of, hey, you know, there's like a couple of billion people over there who don't know who General Custer or Jesse James are. Maybe we should do a movie about a cultural figure that they would know. Well, the Chinese are too far away to ask. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, Mr. Wayne, Mr. Wayne? Uh, right over... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> shut, shut up, Mr. Lee. I'm not talking to you. Um, yeah, Max get that Takei kid out of here. He's Japanese. Yeah. Well. Uh, and then the last question, which you know, I think we've answered. But is there anything remotely accurate in this film? There, yes. There was a man named Temujin who later became known as Genghis Khan. And, and we're done. <laughs> yeah. And we're done. Yeah. And you know, to be fair, it is easy for Max and I to sit here and laugh at this film. And not fun, only because too. it's <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> not only because it is so wrong, uh, but it was because it's so old and because even the maker of the film said, "I will buy all the copies so no one can see it till I'm dead." Yeah, but you have to uh, remember that wasn't because he didn't he thought the film was bad. He felt no. bad about murdering most of the people <laughs> in it. Yeah. So, you know, and it's easier for us to do that, but to be fair, this is still happening. Like, I wish it wasn't, but, you know, we talked about this uh, last week with Ghost in the Shell, where yeah. we got it all wrong. We yeah. were all upset because they, they hired somebody who was obviously not Asian for an Asian part, when what was missing was the entire context of the story had been erased, and what was in its place was the back, back of a cereal box. Um, so, you know, reducing some very interesting cultural points, some of which we were kind of responsible for mm. and just ignoring them entirely here. They took a couple of names. Somebody had been to a Chinese restaurant once and that's it. Um, they gave us this incredibly dry film. I don't know about you, but I really needed like a lot of water watching this film. It was a very thirst inducing film. It's yeah. all very desert. And so I guess that was effective. But, you know, the, Go the Gobi <laughs> Desert, it's a desert. I'm betting it's pretty dry, so I mean, go I them. Kept, <laughs> I just kept saying, every time somebody would show up, I'd go, oh, it's William Conrad of the Old West. <laughs> oh, look, the Mongol hordes of the <laughs> Old West. Because <laughs> there's nothing, yeah, nothing. Honest, yeah, honestly, whenever you see see them riding with their saddlebags, I'm going, okay, where are the Winchester rifle? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never mind. Yeah. And there's some great, you know, when you're watching the horsemen, there's a lot, like most of the hills they're riding down are like 35, 40 degree angles, which is, mm. I'm sure, really hard to do. I actually get tired of watching it. It's like, okay, yeah, another hill. Woo. I started feeling really bad for the horses. There are a lot of scenes of the battle scenes where the horses go ass over tea kettle. And yeah. I know... They used to train them, but they also used to get a lot of these horses really badly hurt from these stunts before they figured oh, well, out they could use rubber ones. Well, how about that poor panther? Oh, well, we didn't. That one, I'm, when it was dead, I'm pretty sure it was stuffed, but. I, yeah, but it's obvious that the poor thing was really freaked out and yeah. really unhappy. And it's like, who killed my panther? Why is, yeah. the, why is the carcass still here? Okay. Yeah, apparently, yeah, they have a. In the middle of one of the camps, they've got a black panther. Which I would question its native qualities to the Gobi Desert, but who knows? He maybe had maybe he had it imported. It could have been a black Amur leopard. It could have been. Uh, it was okay. that. It was, it was not the wrong kind for a snow leopard. Never mind the wrong place. But yeah. um, it, the, so that you know what we're saying here is, yeah, it's easy for us to make fun, but for yeah. the people that this is supposed to represent, I'm sure it's still painful. Yeah. And the only reason we're having fun with this is to make it look so ridiculous and so preposterous that maybe we can i don't know that max and i and our 10 listeners can help hollywood realize it's not entertaining yeah it's this, not it's not entertaining it's not cool it just makes it it's uncomfortable and it's unnecessary especially yeah. now for god's sake we've got so many talented actors from all over the world and they're all swarming into hollywood for god knows what why you cannot tell me you can't find an actor of the appropriate race or color or gender to play the part. Right. And we should, uh, I'm going to put a little point in here so that I actually have a uh, spot to edit and we can end the show because we're kind of ending the show. The Roundup. There. Uh, <laughs> so neither of us had seen this film before. We'd heard about it. Yeah. We'd read about it, but we'd never actually seen it. I actually thought it was in black and white because all the photos I'd seen were black and white. 
Was there anything about this film that surprised you? Um, that Lee Van Cleef and William Conrad were in it. That was it. No, there's nothing about... No, this movie hit all the beats I expected it to hit. It it was every cringeworthy moment. Yeah. No, but did it say anything surprise you? As I, What honestly surprised me was how bad it was. Uh, I knew it would be bad, but I didn't know it was going to be bad. <laughs> I was pretty uh, sure. I knew that the race, and the thing is, is the racism is not as aggressive as I expected. Um, and really it's, it's the, I can't even describe the weird cadence of the language they use, but it's obviously somebody who thinks if you stay, say things stiltedly enough and leave out contractions and make it sound more formal, that's how Chinese people sound or Mongolian people sound or anybody sounds really. <laughs> Cause it, I mean, it's, I don't know anybody who talks like that or has ever talked like that. Um, and I think one of the other points is if you're going to make a movie or any, really any thing, and it's about another culture, it might not even be enough to talk to people of that culture. You might want to allow them to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Hire some story. of them, you know, put, bring them as consultants, have them be the writers. Because, you know, there, there very well may be Mongolian films or Chinese films about Genghis Khan. I don't know because they haven't been brought over here, so I can't see. And to be fair, I didn't really look them up. But I bet you anything they're far more interesting than this. And this just perpetuates the idea that we think we know anything about a culture that we literally know nothing about, um, this kind of film. And especially when you've got a name like John Wayne, and and he's this bad. I mean, again, I've never been a fan, but he's really bad in this. I, I have been. I enjoy a lot of his movies. As, you know, as we say, he's he plays John Wayne, but he usually picks movies where that works. And when you team him up with someone like John Ford, the director, you can get you get some really remarkable work. Sure. Yeah. There's Americans telling American stories. Admittedly, mm. they usually are at the uh, uh, the the poor Native American people fare terribly in those films. Yeah. Although I got to tell you, in at least a couple of them, I remember Fort Apache, which has Henry Fonda and John Wayne. They actually, they have the characters, you know, uh, Cochise and Geronimo, and they're portrayed as having legitimate grievances with the government. They're not just shown as brutal savages. They're shown as, yeah, these are people trying to protect their lands and their people, and they've taken to desperate measures. They're, admittedly, they're, I believe, all played by Mexicans, but uh, they might not have been. John Ford was one of the very few Western directors who actually tried to get Native Americans to play Native Americans in his movies. Yes. And but then, and then killed them. And but, said, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's mm. the problem. Uh, so the conqueror, you're going to have to do some heavy work to find yeah. it. So don't. I'd, yeah. Honestly, I can't say unless you're a John Wayne completist or you really want to see whitewashing one of the worst examples, there's no real reason to watch this movie. No, this isn't. It's, it's rapey. It's racist. And it's misogynist. Very, yeah. very misogynist. Yeah. Um, but Hey, uh, let's go over that uh, the information yeah. for how people can contact us, and then we can find out what we're going to watch next week. Yep, yep. What we'll be doing for our 150th anniversary. So once again, Ooh. our question was: If you watch when you watch a, a movie in a language you don't know, do you prefer subtitles or do you prefer dubbing? And you can answer this through many ways. You can uh, email us at us at maxmikemovies.com. You can go to our website, maxmikemovies.com. Big shock there, and uh, leave us a comment. You can uh, go onto the medias of the socialness on Facebook at, or Twitter at Max Mike Movies. Please follow us on Twitter. Nobody follows us on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. We have six followers. Anyway, well. <laughs> you, you don't have to follow us on Twitter. It's all right. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. And you know, of course, you get us through the podcast apps of your choice, Spotify, etc. Right. That's pretty much it. So, Mike. Yeah. What are we doing next week for our 150th episode? Well, we're going to celebrate a little differently. So ah. remember back our 100th episode, we celebrated by... By shooting up a lot of heroin and... Oh, wait, that's that was just me. Never mind. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, back in our 100th episode, what we did was we made a three-hour episode where we... I mean, we discussed uh, <laughs> Star Wars and we yep. had a nice special guest, which yes, was uh, Tyler Hutchinson. We're going to have a special guest next week. 
and we're going to watch a movie that pertains to this special guest. Our special guest will be a professor of film studies uh, who also teaches some Native American classes and poetry uh, in an upstate New York university. Uh, her name is Dr. Rebecca Pelkey. She is a, fr a longtime friend of mine. And we wanted to have her on the show because we thought it might be cool to actually have somebody who has heritage in question helping us discuss a film where the heritage is not necessarily taken seriously or kindly. Um, and as it turns out, it's a film that she's actually taught herself in her film studies class. And uh, it's also, unfortunately, another fairly recent example of how whitewashing is still going on. And all I will say is Hyo Silver. <laughs> Oy vey! <laughs> yes, the Jewish cowboy, yep. the Lone Ranger. <laughs> yes, we'll be watching the Army Hammer. Yes, that's a problem. Yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, Johnny Depp. That's, that's a real problem. problem. Yeah. Playing those heroes of yesteryear as they gallop out of the West on their hardy steeds. Well, one of them gallops up on a horse, apparently. But this is the 2013 um, version <laughs> of the classic hero, the Lone Stranger with his not-at-all-Native-American sidekick, Tonto, as portrayed by the no-I-really-think-I-am-part-Native-American, no-really-I-have-no-proof-but-really-I-think-I-kind-of-am, Johnny Depp. Yep. But tune in next week with our special guest, and we're going to actually hear, quite honestly, somebody who has more of a right to talk about this than us. Yep. Talk about this than us. Don't miss it. This has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench. Music